Well, spring is here, and Sumer is a kumin in, as the medieval song goes. And the Bloomington Early Music Festival is just around the corner. In fact, this beloved festival begins this Sunday, May 21st. This is Luann Johnson for WFIU Arts, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with two members of Bloomington Early Music to find out more about this year's programming. So I'm Javier Leon. I am the Vice President of Bloomington Early Music. I am Tomás Lozano, and I am a board member of the Bloomington Early Music. I'm so glad you guys came in. I'm really looking forward to the festival this year. So can you tell me a little about this year's theme for Bloomington Early Music Festival? Yeah, this year's a little bit different than the rest. It's about uh, Iberia, Arabia, and Latin America. Yeah, I think one of the things that over the last couple of years that Bloomington Early Music has been trying to do is trying to explore different ways of thinking about early music, not as a kind of cultural bubble that is centered in Europe, but kind of Europe as a place that was actually kind of the crossroads of many other connections, right? So historically, for example, uh, things like the the lute that you find in early music migrated from North Africa and from the Middle East. Into, into, so there are kind of cultural connections that oftentimes kind of forgotten. Another thing that has kind of a little bit forgotten out, out of that is all these diasporas that have been kind of uh, regional in many different ways. So kind of Muslim diasporas, but in particular Jewish diasporas, where Jewish musicians were really instrumental in developing Arab classical music, different kinds of European music, in addition to kind of having their own kind of traditions. And so we figured that this would be a, a good way of kind of exploring all those geographic and cultural connections. It's quite a range. You have Arabia, um, Iberia, Latin America. How did you settle on the theme? And how, why did you settle on a theme that was so so vast and open in a way? I, I think part of it was was that, right? It was It was trying to kind of touch on areas that go beyond just what we conceptually think of Europe. And a lot, and these three areas are kind of interrelated in many different ways, right? So to talk about North Africa is to talk about the expulsions of Jews and Muslims from the Iberian Peninsula. And so there's all these historical and cultural connections that, that kind of required for all of those things to be addressed at once. Tomas, you have? And also at the same time, all these traditions that the uh, Arabs and the Jews brought into Iberia at that time they were also transported into the new world. Mm -hmm. And so you will find some traditions that they're interrelated from North Africa now because, you know, they have moved mm -hmm. to, out of Iberia, but they're actually the roots in, uh, from North Africa, you find these traditions in, uh, in uh, Latin America. Yeah, things are more interrelated than what we think, you know. Yes, absolutely. So can you tell me about some of the activities? Yes, we have Nota Bene, and uh, Nota Bene, they're going to play music starting from Spain, going through all the colonies in uh, Mexico, south of Angola, the Portuguese. So it's way, way beyond, beyond, I think, the Iberia and, the, and Arabia. Mm -hmm. The Portuguese were able to go to, the, uh, to Asia and bring the music and how the, everybody was copying music. At that time, the Spanish were coming from the Portuguese, the Portuguese from the Spanish, the Italians, and how this all interrelated. In the Judeo-Islamic tradition, we have a group from New York that was going to be, um, not going to be live concerts, going to be streamed. And they're going to be playing some of the uh, traditional uh, music of the Jews and Muslims that they played in Iberia, the classical themes, that, uh, some of the makams, some of the old Andalusian music. 
It will be followed by a very interesting and unique group that is called Hadmit and Al-Sadi uh, with uh, Safair. These are Makams from Baghdad. And it's going to be interesting because it's a very different theme than the, the things that we used to know about early music. And this is really, really early music. Some of these traditions, they go back, they don't really even know how, how old they are. And they will be exploring the Makam. And the Makam, it's, it's a different concept of music, the way that we interpret music. And uh, it will be featuring one of the greatest singers of the Iraqi tradition that he knows about 56 different makams. That's uh, Hamid, yeah. Asadi. And uh, it takes nice. a few years to learn just one of the makams. And he's, he's oh. very versatile in 56 of them. And they're the only group in the States that they carry this tradition. That's and amazing. Will, we will also see that uh, the Jewish influence in this, in, uh, in Iraq, and, and anyway, more. Come to the concert. And, oh, uh, and I will. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I... Do you want to talk about some more, or yeah, I'd like to? There's, I mean, as Tomas kind of mentioned, uh, one one of the things that we've been doing with the festival recently is um, we have live concerts, but we also have kind of stream concerts by artists from many different parts of the world. So we're actually going to have live stream concerts uh, from the UK, from Canada, from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to have also visitors from from Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be here in, in person. But yeah, there's there's a couple of other really interesting concerts. Uh, Miriam Ensemble is going to be performing. They're from Boston. They're going to be performing a concert of uh, medieval Sephardic music from Portugal and Spain. But it's music that has only been recently discovered in, in archives in Amsterdam. So there's this whole kind of interesting connection there about exactly how the Jewish diaspora kind of moved throughout Europe and this kind of very important kind of religious repertoire that continued to exist outside of the place where it was kind of originally created. And so a really fantastic concert. We also have a couple of other exciting premieres at Tonos del Sur, which is a a group that specializes in Latin American music and, and who got its start here in Bloomington. Uh, a few years back. Uh, they're collaborating with uh, Cesar Favila, who is a musicologist at UCLA. Cesar is about to publish a book dealing with the music of convents in Mexico uh, in the 17th century. And so basically all the music that nuns plays in, in part of their daily lives, it's definitely not new repertoires from the 17th century, but it's music that has not been heard in contemporary practice in many, many possibly centuries. So Cesar is actually going to be coming from UCLA, and he's been working with Tono Sur along with uh, Paul Feller, who's another musicologist, uh, collaborating with Cesar. And they've been working with Tonos and kind of trying to set up a concert to be a recreation of what these concerts and this kind of daily musical life was was like. So, you know, within the world of early music, that is basically a world premiere of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also going to the, the, the concert with a Tembembe Ensemble Continuo, which is this very famous um, a group from Mexico City, uh, has worked with Jordi Saval and with a number of other kind of collaborators. And they have this really fantastic knack for uh, combining the 
early music repertoire, especially from colonial Latin America, but also kind of putting dialogue with other early music repertoire from Europe and at the same time also with contemporary folk music traditions from Mexico and from Colombia and from other parts of Latin America. They always put a phenomenal show. They They were able to join us in live stream two years ago when we were did the festival during COVID, and, and they were they were a huge hit, and we're really happy that we managed to basically bring them in person this time. I'm curious. It seems like all these these virtual get-togethers are kind of vestiges of the pandemic. We're used to them now, but did you run into any any skeptics about having the virtual concerts, or is this kind of just an ordinary thing now? I think uh, in some ways it is, in other things it's not, but uh, we cannot bring people from overseas, from Australia. It would be great to have them here, but it would be very costly. Yes, it would. So the only possibility is to have them streaming. We we wish we had a great budget to bring <laughs> people from all over the world, but you know, it's a non, small nonprofit organization that uh, we we survive through, the, through donations, basically, and grants. So... Yeah. And I think also, I mean, so when the pandemic happens, you know, the the festival that year was in the process of being developed already, you know, mm-hmm. and and so it was just one of these emergency things that we had to just basically talk to everybody and say, okay, who would be able to do this uh, remotely? And we managed to kind of cobble it together, and that worked. And the year after one, then we say, okay, well, we'll we'll do it virtually again. And it not only worked, but we got a lot of really good positive feedback about about the concerts. And so once last year we kind of went back to being able to be in person, we began to notice that in a number of different places, this is one of the interesting, I guess, side effects of the pandemic is that these kind of hybrid events that have stream content, but also in-person concerts are becoming more common and more feasible. I think the pandemic, in a way, kind of showed people that that, that is actually a, a very legitimate mode of doing things. It, it ended up working out really well. We've actually managed to be able to use that as a way of making the festival reach way beyond just Bloomington yes. and Indiana. We now have a number of groups from many different parts, including many groups from Europe, who are kind of interested on, on, on participating we have activities around both virtual and in-person concerts. Many of them have pre-concert talks and, and introductions and interviews. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we will also be having like a marathon stream from, from earlier concerts on, on Tuesday night. Yes. A movie marathon. How, how long? How many? There's six movies you're showing. Uh, seven movies. Seven. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And are they all, how long are they? About, uh, an, about 45 minutes, minutes an hour okay. each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like fun. Oh, and I would be remiss as a producer of Harmonia, not to mention that we were having a reception on Wednesday evening, yes. celebrating our 1,000th episode that's going to air the following evening. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very excited that we can kind of do this uh, with, with Harmonia. And it's there, there's former members of PLEM and, and collaborators who have also worked very closely with Harmonia in the past. And, and so it is nice to see. This is one of the great things about um, Bloomington Early Music Festival that there are so many different people in Bloomington who have different kinds of connections to early music. And, and the festival really becomes a, a moment where everybody can kind of like come together and kind of like catch up with each other and see what they're doing. It's also great because you get to see people who got their start here years and years ago who kind of come back. 
and and you can see what they're what they're up to and what they have been doing since. What are you looking forward to? Or is there a certain group? I know you can't say you can't have favorites. <laughs> I have I have several favorites. <laughs> yeah, I I mean um, I've known members of Timbember for for several years. Uh, last time they were here was in 2015 to perform live, um, not for the Early Music Festival, but for an event that IU was holding. And that's the last time I've seen them here in Bloomington. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to kind of spend some time and hang out with them. Yeah, I'm a Latin Americanist by trade, so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about all the Latin American content <laughs> stuff. But uh, no, great. Um, it's a very kind of varied program with, with a lot of different things, many of which... Uh, in different ways are, are kind of like stretching the idea of what is early music, which I think is a really kind of helpful mm-hmm. way of kind of bringing in new voices uh, into the world yeah. of early music. And I think The Telling is one of your, your virtual yes. concerts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little about that group. I know a little bit. I'm familiar with some of their their Christmas releases. Um, yeah, they, they're a, a group based in the UK. They tend to kind of do these large conceptual uh, works that almost look like films. I mean, rather than it, it's not just a concert of people standing there performing. Uh, they they usually shoot it with multiple cameras and lots of editing, and the whole concert is meant to kind of tell a very kind of dramatic story with the with the singers also kind of uh, being actors and using costumes and and the the particular kind of concept for this year's of the telling is kind of telling this fictionalized story of a Jewish woman in Spain in 1492 at the the moment when Spain is kind of expelling uh, Muslims and Jews out of the country and and what this means for her and her family. So the whole concert actually tells her story through music and the songs that she she kind of performs. His edict is clear. He wants the Jews out. Is there anything you particularly want the, the public to know? Well, all the all the performances are free. All the events, the streaming and the live performances are free, as well as the workshops. Everybody's welcome. Yeah, and maybe maybe to talk a little bit about the workshop. So, l- last year, unfortunately, um, I had to be away for work, so I was not able to kind of partake in the festival. But my wife kind of took my kids to all of the workshops, and they kind of became fixtures. And the workshop, the workshops are fantastic. Uh, very fun. Uh, yeah. And uh, so there, there's going to be a workshop on, on just kind of historical dance. Uh, there's going to be a workshop on wig making and <laughs> other kind of uh, a- accessories making. There's a, a workshop being taught by theater actors. There's going to be on live sword fighting. Oh, uh, my gosh. That's, that's th- so fun. There is also a printing workshop where you get to kind of make your own paper and press it and, and kind of create your own designs. And then on the on the last day, there will be a, a historical workshop on caffeinated drinks. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, if 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 you go to the Blem website to look at the calendar, you see there's going to be a workshop every day starting on on Tuesday. And those workshop activities are for all ages. Yeah, they're they're yes. usually for, for mm-hmm. all ages. I mean, Except the caffeinated drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one is <laughs> that that one is for adults only. But um, they usually. I mean, just from, from my kids, my nine-year-old is all for it and into it and able to kind of follow along. It, my six-year-old, her attention span kind of begins to wander <laughs> off after a little bit. So, But but if, yeah, if your kids are like eight, nine or older. Yeah, well, last year we had, besides the the short fighting that it was all children, in the other all the workshops we had people from children from 
from seniors and all ages, uh, sharing the dances, the dressing, and making paper, everything. Oh, that's, that, that's, re- that's very nice. It's, it's, it's a great, family, generational. great family activity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, last year I came home from my, from my trip, and there was a huge sign in my living room that said, Sword Fighting Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids were actually teaching all the, all the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> I think it's the one, is the workshop that we had more attendance. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Javier, Tomas, thank you so much for coming in and, and talking to me about the festival. Oh, and, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. That was Tomas Lozano and Javier Leon from Bloomington Early Music. This year's festivities begin this Sunday, May 21st. The full program details are on their website, and I'll include the link in this web post. WFIU's Harmonia will be hosting a reception during the festival on Wednesday night, May 24th, celebrating Harmonia's 1,000th episode, which airs on Thursday, May 25th at 8 p.m. More about all of this can be found at wfiu.org arts. For WFIU Arts, I'm Luann Johnson.